Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Back again, it's me, Chris, here with Patrick. Hello. Steven. Hi. And once again, our very special guest, Sam. Hello. And we're back this week with urgency on a very special mission to talk about the very popular thriller, Bird Box. Very, very popular. Very popular. So popular that that's what, why we have to be here. To, because Netflix says that, like, two out of every three humans alive has seen this movie. <laughs> Forty In seven days, 45 million people watched at least 70% of it. Reportedly, the most people who have ever watched in the first seven days of a Netflix original film. Well, think about what, what that would translate to in box office dollars. You know, if the average movie ticket price is, what, like 10 bucks, That's so, $450 million in seven days. So this gives me a couple thoughts. One thought is, on this episode, we're assuming that you've seen Bird Box, so you know what? Spoilers beware. We're not saving anything. We're taking the blindfolds we're off take- and staring <laughs> this thing right in the face. <laughs> we're taking the blindfolds off. We're not going to the spoiler room. We're telling you, we're just talking, talking about whatever we want to talk about in this movie. It's going to be a shorter episode than normal. Under, we, the assumption, <laughs> under the assumption that everyone's seen it. The other thing that I want to mention is we really don't know how many people have seen this movie because Netflix could be full of shit. This is the first time they've ever released any kind of statistics. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is the, these are the two main questions that come off the bat for me with this whole thing. Is One, is Netflix just bullshitting us? Because obviously there's no way to independently verify this, and they've never released any statistics on anything else before. Right. But two, what would be the motivation to pick this particular movie to bullshit the world about? Right, I'm amazed if it really is as popular as they say, which I believe, because I've had people come up to me and ask, have you seen Bird Box? You know, people who normally don't really care about horror movies. Um, what an unlikely movie to be such a success. Mm-hmm. It's been a self-feeding thing. Everyone's watching it because they think everyone else is watching it. Yeah. When maybe the truth is nobody's watching it. But Well, we all watched it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but why Bird Box? I mean, I guess Sandra Bullock, I didn't think she was that big of a draw. I mean that yeah that's the that's the key People question love the here quiet is why place and it's got kind of the same sort of vibe to it yeah is and that the, you know for some reason I mean it's it's the question of any meme why does a meme become a meme really I mean I, I think meme factor is one of the main things that's feeding this like there are a shitload of bird box memes the bird oh, box challenge can is I tell now you my a thing. favorite what my favorite it's so it's it's um it's four four images three movie posters and then the grinder logo so it's uh, the poster for hush. Poster for a quiet place, poster for bird box, and the grinder logo, and it said, uh, "Can't speak, no, can't hear, can't speak, can't see, can't host." <laughs> <laughs> Give okay. me a chuckle. Pretty accurate. <laughs> that's funny. I've seen some variations on that meme, but that's a good one. That's the best one. I feel like we may need to explain that one a no, for some no, of our older no, we'll listeners. Keep going. If you don't get it, they they don't need to know about Grinder if they don't already. If, if, yeah, yeah, they can download see for itself, see for themselves if they if they're curious. But yeah, it's 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 a phenomenon. Bird Box again, not classified as a horror movie on Netflix, so we're breaking all our rules again. 
which is bizarre. Totally bizarre. It's it's a straight up horror movie. If a quiet place is horror, this is horror. Mm-hmm. Oh, a quiet place isn't horror, and this is not horror either. In what? my book, it wasn't scary. No part of it was terrifying. Okay, Do you believe but there it was are... trying to be though? I think so, and so was the book. But it, neither of which was scary in any form, shape. Or... Well, all right, first roll call. Who among us has read the book? Sam, you've read the book. Yes. Have either of you two read the book? I've read the book, yes. I started to, and I found the prose to be very childlike, and yeah. I put it down. <laughs> okay, so you have... <laughs> so, no, book. I've not read the book. I haven't read the book at all. And the book, we should we should make note, is by one of our local, fellow local folks here in uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, in, we're in Ann Arbor right now recording in Michigan, and the guy who wrote the book, Josh Mailerman is an, an awesome musician and in my opinion an awesome author as well um who lives in ferndale which is like 45 minutes down the road from us and, and acquaintance i feel, I feel bad for of. insulting his pros because like we know this guy like you, there's so many times i go to ferndale i was a huge fan of his band the high strung i've seen them probably a dozen times you'd actually see him on the street putting up posters for his own band you know promoting and um he's done some great shit in the metro times lists of like horror favorite horror books and stuff Super cool dude. I just didn't... I couldn't get into the book. Maybe he's, I'll get another shot. He's very cool, and I loved the book, honestly. Um, I thought... I mean, because, you know, the central conceit is, of course, you, you have to wear a blindfold. You can't look at the thing. And so there are long stretches of the book where p- characters are blindfolded. I thought he did a phenomenal job of just um, expressing the horror of the situation through the senses. Like, he made you feel all the other four senses and made you feel the horror of the character's situation. It was a really unique and really innovative book to me and when i heard they were making a movie i was like fuck how would you replicate that reading experience that i had which for me i mean i know not for sam and steve um was was very potent and very effective how would you replicate that on screen and in the end i don't know that i can say they did a very good job it's kind (laughs) of silly whenever i see the characters in blindfold wandering around i chuckled to myself it looks ridiculous like, you, I know yeah. they're in peril, but it's just funny watching Sandra Bullock try so hard to look like she doesn't know where she's going. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are really putting your finger on what I was thinking the whole time I was watching this movie. First of all, I was saying, all right, this totally makes sense from a book. From a book, you can have the internal monologue of the characters. You can understand kind of how they're navigating the world when they're blindfolded and stuff like that and what they're hearing and what they're thinking. And that's probably a lot more tangible and compelling than on the screen. And then I was thinking, yeah, like one of my big problems with this movie is that so much of it was silly just because having someone in a blindfold is just not, it's a strange visual. It's very difficult to fully convey the horror of having to navigate the world without sight in a visual medium. Right. Right. It's a visual medium. Perfect. And so I was kind of wishing that they had just kind of embraced that and made a sillier movie or a movie at least that didn't take itself so seriously through the whole movie. Like it was such a self-serious movie and it was just didn't work with the kind of absurd situations that we end up in and some of the absurd visuals. There's some absurd writing too. I mean, the first like 15 minutes of this movie felt like an episode of Grey's Anatomy with that like super snappy dialogue, the one-liners back and forth mm-hmm. between uh, um, was it Sarah Paulson? Yeah. Uh, who I love. Yes. Like, also is like generally kind of a campy actress and not to be taken too seriously. The cast seriously. is great. The casting director deserves an Oscar. 
but it feels like it was made to appeal to every possible audience because we've got Machine Gun Kelly, we've got Jackie Weaver, we've got the that gay Machine Asian guy Gun Kelly. Yeah, he's the tall, skinny dude with the tattoos. Oh, okay. I yeah, I have no idea what Machine Gun Kelly even looks like. You've got John Malkovich, so your dad can watch it. We've got so um, I can watch it. I love got the, John the TSA guy from Get Out. The TSA guy from Get Out, who will always oh, be TSA. I didn't recognize him yeah. either. And playing the same character, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I thought casting was shit. Um, and the cast was great, but not for the roles. Like when I heard Sandra Bullock was playing the main character, I just I wanted to throw something in the television because. Um, in the book, she's like 28. Oh, really? And Sandra Bullock is fucking not 28. So it just, it made no fucking sense. How do you think she pulled off the role, though? Like, Horribly. even with that cognitive dissonance of knowing, of imagining a younger character. Because I actually, I'm not a Sandra Bullock fan. I love that opening scene where she's just talking to the kids like they're fully grown adults. Because she doesn't want to be a mom and she's got to do this. I thought it was convincing to me. Well, Mallory, she's never been from Mallory is a shit person. The character is not great. I don't like Mallory in the book and I didn't like Mallory in the movie. I, I love Sandra Bullock. I think she's a really great actress. I thought this was one of her worst performances. Whoa. I mean, you're not supposed to like the character. I know. But do you think that colors how you see the performance? Or you really thought it was a bad performance? I thought it was a bad performance. Wow, interesting. There are moments, there were definitely moments for me where I was like, wow, she has no idea what kind of movie she's in. But she's, I don't know, there were some some scene stealing moments as well. I thought it was a good performance, but I thought it took a really long time. I thought she was just very cold for a really long time. And her kind of moment of character development and actual change as a person came so late in the movie, which I don't remember happening in the book, but the uh, the book is a very distant memory for me at this point, that I just got very tired of her being such a cold and nasty sometimes she was person. Pretty, she was pretty cold yeah. in the which, book. And I'm not a big fan of Sandra Bullock in the first place, so I did start to sort of like conflate the character and the actor a little too much, and I was like, ah, fuck Sandra Bullock, ah, fuck Mallory. I yeah. liked it. There are some crazy plot contrivances in this movie as well, and I don't know if they're in the book. Like, what are the odds that another pregnant woman who is due like a month later than Sandra Bullock shows up at the house after they've already established everything? Well, I thought it was a little crazy. I, I looked up Sandra Bullock as I was watching this movie. Sandra Bullock is 54 years old. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, she, I, looks, I, great. she looks great, but um, I'm surprised that it's like... Good for her still having the fucking star power that she does at her age. That's awesome. Yeah, but how much of the star power is predicated on her not looking like she's 54 and still getting roles where she's pl- playing a pregnant woman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what really killed me, because I'm just like, uh, Mallory's pregnant in the book how are they playing this when sandra bullock is as old as she is like that's a that's a dangerous geriatric pregnancy right there well she (laughs) got 44 yeah it was fine Um, okay can we talk about the most important thing about this character though that fucking coat she wears oh that coat is fucking wild it looks like a bird yeah it's like bird box sky blue Fuzzy collar it is a bizarre looking coat. It just stuck out like a sore thumb to me in every scene. I, I don't think it stuck out to it. anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting costuming choice. I texted Patrick while I was watching it. I said, this is a bizarre movie. And what was bizarre for me is that it just alternated so much between the the like bottle episode kind of everyone stuck in the house. Yeah. 
stuff and her on the river. And it was hard for me to get fully immersed in either because it was just cutting back and forth all the time. And seemingly with not very much logic, like the beats didn't really match up. And I was thinking like, pick, right. one, or, pick one or the other or combine them both and make this a linear film and then jump forward five years, which mm-hmm. would not be a great film. Um, like I would rather just see the present day stuff with the boat and no flashbacks, but be able to, through interactions with other characters, somehow infer what had happened before. I think that'd be a more compelling, more mysterious, more creepy movie. And even the flashbacks are absolutely saturated in clunky expository dialogue, mm-hmm. which, you know, it seems unnecessary. The book it was, was the book was exactly like that. So I don't They might have just taken the cheap route and done what the book had with the flashbacks and how were it was the laid out. Was it just like that where it yep. switched between the, the river and the house yep. that often? See, I didn't remember that. For some reason, in my memory, the book was almost exclusively about the river. No. Huh. Interesting. Because, again, I, I need to revisit the book because the book was very effective to me and I, the, the movie was not. I don't know. And talk about, we were just talking about Christine and how we all really appreciate that there's no explanation of what Christine is or why she's evil. The worst part of this movie for me is like when 15 minutes into the movie, TSA is like, oh, by the way, there's a demon who comes to rot its vengeance on the world. And oh, he's an expert it, in mythology this. because he's writing a novel and like he offers an explanation that ends up being like kind of a non-explanation. Yep. He offers an explanation that seems to be spot on based on everything else we see. We don't know. From the monster. We don't know what the monster is. There were pictures released today. Uh, online of they actually made a monster for the movie but they didn't show it in the movie and there are pictures of it of the top half of it so Sandra Bullock said it's like a baby head with like a worm body and I saw the photos of the makeup of the baby head and it looks fucking terrible I'm so glad they didn't use it and somebody made it like a a fake act like bird box action figure like in a box like those old Kenner toys Mm. of like the baby head with like a green worm body and what they think it would look like wait so this was like an abandoned concept they were going to show this on screen then they decided not to they decided not to show it yeah oh my god because I mean what they do end up showing is also a very poor choice in my opinion like the swirling leaves leaves, whenever the monster appears I'm like I don't even need to see that. Like, just show me nothing. Show people mm-hmm. freaking out about yeah. nothing is scarier than fucking leaves rustling. I mean, that's almost like the happening level. Yes. Yeah, shit. the happening. I didn't understand why it mattered if the monster was nearby because you're not allowed to take off your blindfold ever because the presumption is... it hurt you if you don't take it off. Right. The presumption is it's never safe to take off your blindfold. So if you're never going to take off your blindfold, what does it matter if the monster is near or far? Why do you have to carry around a box of birds to let you know if there's a monster about? Why is it called Bird Box? Because it's a cool name. Because they carry around the box of birds. Yeah, but it's not that significant. And that's, this is actually frustrating. it doesn't like tie into anything thematically either, even the pairing of those words. Right. That's frustrating me too because or is I felt it like a Plato's cave analogy or something? Like No, oh, that's too edgy that's too, too deep that's for too arcane for me, man. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who you think you're talking to. You don't to. know Plato's cave? A smart right. guy? I didn't even read Bird Box the book and you think I read Plato? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Plato's cave is just like when Luke goes into Yoda's cave. Okay. 
But right. no, that's what frustrated me because yeah, basically it gets more complicated than that. But that's that's the gist. Much I'm like, just explaining it at a Chris level. I love no, it. It was yeah. cute. Much like Cargo, this was a movie that like seemed to be aspiring to some theme and like would give me a scene here and a scene there, and I couldn't figure out what the hell it was trying to say. Maybe it's my problem. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Let's get back to some of the ridiculous shit in this movie that I couldn't quite handle. <laughs> the scene in the car. So they have to go and get groceries. TSA uh, Loved worked at a grocery actually. store. You like the scene where they're driving in the car? Loved it. That was my favorite part of the movie. I admire it, but it's so unrealistic that that the sensors in the car could actually guide them. Of course, they're going to bump into stuff, but like that they could actually pull that journey off. I believed it, and I thought it was clever and a use of technology that I hadn't seen in a movie before, and I liked it. I thought it was. I, I also thought it was fine. I thought it was clever, and I I just thought it could have been played up more. I thought it could have been scarier. It wasn't as tense as I thought. It could. No, and that's tense. also why I liked it. Like I said, I I thought maybe this movie could have benefit from being a little more tongue in cheek with the whole concept, and that's the part where like they run over a corpse in the street, and everyone knows it's a corpse, and the guy's like, "It's a speed, it's bump. a speed bump. Don't worry." This movie, okay, Ooh, that just, was gruesome. We just talked about Christine. I wish this movie had that kind of subtle sense of knowing and humor that this, right. is, a, this is totally ridiculous. Right. We're going to scare you most of the time, but we're also going to give you a few chuckles. See, I don't want that. The book didn't have that tone. I don't think it needs to have that I'm tone. just saying for what we have here, like with this cast and that script, I feel like the, the director needed to inject a little bit more playfulness into it. I don't care if the tone is different than the book because like we've all agreed, the book doesn't lend itself to a visual adaptation. So... That was their first folly was trying to make a movie adaptation of the book, and if they had to, then at least do something with the movie to make it. But don't turn it into a joke. I don't want it to be a joke. Nah. I'm, I don't have your same penchant for like everything being a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you love you love saying, okay. as you always say, ridiculous concepts played straight. Right. I don't. I don't have the same craving for humor in my well, horror. That well, you, you do. know what the the reason the reason I was drawn into like you know, writing comedic things at a young age and stuff like that is because comedy is kind of safe. If you're laughing at yourself, you're not really putting yourself out there and you're, you're kind of immune to criticism if you're not taking yourself seriously. But what comes with that is what comes with bird box is if you're taking yourself super seriously, like this movie does, you got to pull it off. Otherwise you're making something people are going to be laughing at instead of with you. Absolutely. And it definitely verges on that territory or, or, or verges into that territory at times. I'm just talking about like with what we have with the cast, with the script, I feel like the direction is at times too self-serious. Like in one example is machine gun Kelly's character is shot. Like he's, He's almost shot like he's like going to be the surprise like serial killer in the house. Like it was making him seem menacing to no end. Nothing ever comes of that. Like the, it's like the director just like had no idea where the actual suspense was mm-hmm. in this scenario. So she j- it's she just misplaces it left and right. Yep. Yeah, I mean uh, there there are definitely multiple sequences like the car sequence um, that fail to capitalize on the potential for tension and horror. I mean the the river scenes, the rapid scene in particular, is the exhibit A for that for me. I mean, because that rapid scene again, I read the book I think shortly after it came out, which now is probably five years ago, maybe more. But I, you know, not I don't remember a lot from the book, but I remember that rapid scene like that stuck with me. It was. It was tense and it was like holy fuck that would be horrifying and scary and the rapid scene like they build up to it a lot in the movie you know we're going down a 
rapids with blindfolds and it's over shockingly quickly and even the like kind of gripping developments in that sequence like her losing the kids in the fucking water are not handled with a lot of gravitas or tension and they're resolved surprisingly quickly like that's Mm -hmm. sort of the centerpiece sequence of the film and it's it's over super quick and you don't really feel a lot or at least i didn't while it was going on well, the scene early, not early on, but earlier in their journey where they encounter the believer uh, while they're, you know, on the river and he the guy tries in the truck. to get them. Uh, no, no, the guy who's like standing in the water who has like he's oh, yeah. seen the creature and he's one of the one of the crazy yeah. believers. There's some tension with in the act of Sandra Bullock trying to like chop at him with her hatchet or whatever she has. But then he just like yells some ridiculous line like it felt like she was interacting with an NPC in a video game. Like, I, yeah. could, I actually like, laughed out loud. I, do you remember what he said? Like, what he shouted before he died at them? Like, it's just the same shit they all You've got to see to believe say. or something yeah. like that. And it just felt like, like... It's so beautiful. Yeah. Something like that. It was absurd. It didn't feel natural at all. And it, it certainly wasn't threatening. Yeah, it was way more tense in the book. I believe that it That scene was. was way more tense. Yeah, it just, like, poorly directed, poorly acted. Mm-hmm. The movie looks beautiful. The cinematography is great, especially the stuff on the river. I was really impressed. Even when I could tell it was CG, it still looked really good. Yeah, I'm surprised Netflix didn't crop it to 16. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. The, the The rapid stuff was very frustrating for me because that's obviously the climax of the movie. Up to that point, we've seen characters getting killed for minor transgressions like if you kind of if you fuck up in this world a little bit you die and we come to the rapids and she's like you know what yolo we're just gonna go over these rapids blindfolded even though we should that should kill us but oh it's fine it works out even when the kids get swept overboard it's fine it works out they even managed to hold on to their little box of birds and it survives and it's like i will say i like the drama about who has to look like, sure. that whole thing was... But I also wasn't convinced that peeking would kill you. Me either. Look with the car, a little slit. Something, you it know? Seems and like then if you see something have, coming toward yeah. you, look away. That would have made sense if, if the birds blinds had saved have, Like, yeah. put up some fucking blinds so you can drop them when the thing comes there. But we're probably pissing everybody <laughs> off. We're, we're probably everyone's tuned out. How does this house not have any blinds in it? That's my question. <laughs> they have to put newspaper up over every window? It seriously? It's a modern house. These rich people don't have blinds. No. They can't afford Venetian blinds. No. Uh, for shame. The house is being renovated. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. Cause there, there's a few of those things, and I thought they were trying to say something thematically. And I'd be interested in knowing if the book, what the themes were in the book, because there's these lines where, you know, the guy's building his house. And, oh, what's it matter to you if he's building his house? It's his house. And he's like, well, I'm the one who has to look at it. And then when they walk in on Machine Gun Kelly banging the girl... Oh, that was kind of a hot scene. He's too. like, he's like, uh, you know, the other character's like, uh, some things you can't unsee and stuff. And they're, they're playing with this. And I'm like, are they trying to say something about the power of visual... I thought that too, but no. Is it, it just there for jokes? Is it just there for like, oh, I see what they do with that line. I don't ha, know. I see what they do with that line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't yeah. really get my finger on it. I don't think the the scene in the pantry was in the book, so I don't know what we came, well that was for. Wait, what was in the pantry? Oh, sorry, the laundry room or whatever. Oh, the sex. There yeah. are two scenes of women doing gratuitous yoga moves 
yoga poses in this movie. Both the girl that gets fucked by Machine Gun Kelly and Sandra Bullock, granted she is about to give birth, they both do something I've never seen somebody do in real life where they grab the kitchen counter and like lean back and stretch their back out. And in the case of the girl who gets fucked by Machine Gun Kelly, he sees that and thinks that she's like positioning herself for him. I thought, that's ridiculous. Why are we just watching a scene of her doing yoga in the kitchen? Right and now? like he's there and she like... Looks I don't remember that at all, but that stretch sounds great. I want to go do it right now. I kind of did too, but then Sandra Bullock does the exact same thing like 20 minutes later. Hmm. Well, we're pissing everyone off because most people seem to really like this movie. So what, what are some things we liked about this movie? I don't even know if movie? they do. I mean, I feel like... I it's mean, just certainly, mass hysteria. Certainly the critical consensus has been pretty mad. <laughs> and I don't even... <laughs> it may just well be mass done. hysteria. Um, <laughs> I I suspect that general audiences are used to watching complete dog shit, <laughs> <laughs> and compared to every other horror movie on Netflix, this movie has a shit ton going for it. I'll say I had a lot of fun with this movie. I did watch it in two chunks because it is quite long. I mean, not it's super full long. two hours. It's a full two hours, yeah, and it really does feel like two separate movies too that are intertwined, um, even with different tones. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, there were moments where I laughed at the camp value and, and the misguidedness of it. I think Patrick perfectly articulated why this should not be a film. It's just right. not suited to the visual medium at all. Uh, but there, there were some tense moments. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the casting. I mean, John Malkovich is, uh, ha, no pun intended, being John Malkovich in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch. And I think, I think he had the most developed character. He did. He really steals the show yeah. during during that whole half of the movie. Mm-hmm. So let me read you guys something. I'm not going to reveal what I thought about this. I read this yesterday, and I'm just going to read this. This is from the the New Yorker's review of this movie, which is titled something along the lines of An Apocalypse Made for Netflix. Ooh, we're getting highbrow now. A couple quick sentences here. Netflix notoriously doesn't, in general, report viewership numbers, yet it couldn't resist crowing. There's another good bird pun for you That's guys. great. <laughs> it couldn't resist crowing that more than 45 million subscribers watched Bird Box in its first week online. How would it have done in a traditional wide theatrical release? Would it have taken in $400 million at the box office in its first week alone? I suspect that its viewership depends upon its low barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thoughts? Yeah? Yeah. It, it's Definitely. something, Sandra Bullock, she's got a blindfold on, it's called Bird Box, you maybe have heard of the book, it's horror, you click on it, and you're absorbed immediately if you like dog shit. <laughs> Sandra <laughs> Bullock elevates the prestige of a movie, I guess. For, I mean, deservedly or not. bizarre to me. She's supposedly like the highest paid actress right now. Yep. See, the New Yorker thing pissed me off because it reeked of elitism to me. It was I don't like, think so. I, this, I thought the exact... So when I was talking earlier, like, oh, it would have made $450 million at the box office if you look at average ticket sales, um, at least in the U.S., would people actually go out to the theater to see this thing based on the trailer? No. They're sitting at home on Netflix, mm-hmm. wondering what to watch. They've heard about this. It pops up. Why not watch it? Mm. I mean, I don't know. The stakes, it is a, it, the it stakes is a are super low. The stakes may, are low. You've you know, already paid for it. Right. It's somewhat free. And people watch 70% of it, and then what? Turned it off? Right. Well, that's Fell the... Fell asleep. I, I, I feel like that's got to be an average. Oh. Uh. Yeah, but even still, it means like most people watched at least half of it. I have a more interesting question, I think, which is if this movie were released theatrically and you saw it in a theater, 
would you raise an eyebrow? Would it seem like a theatrical movie? No. No. I don't think so. I thought about that a lot while watching this. Wait, what do you mean by that question? Thing. What does that mean? I, I'm the trying ritual. to think, like, watching this movie in a theater. Can I picture myself seeing this movie in a theater? In what way? Like, can you picture yourself wanting to go see it? No, or? just no, like the it, movie as itself. a movie on a big screen. Oh, absolutely. I've seen... This movie is absolutely theater quality. I've seen a million movies shittier than this in the theater. There is a lot of shit that is worse than I that. I can see it, but I feel like it would play even worse in a theater. Like, I feel like I would hate it even more. Not only for having paid for it, but I feel like I'd be even less satisfied because as images on a screen, it just really isn't all that satisfying. I, it doesn't have um, the panache of a big Hollywood movie. Mm. Yeah, there's not a lot of those, like, tension points that you expect in, like, a traditional horror film, and so not satisfying for me at all. Well, actually, I didn't. I'm not sure I explained. Netflix has this categorized as a thriller. Um, mm. Oh, wow. It's definitely not a thriller minute. Cam is also a thriller. But that's distinct from their horror category, although there is significant overlap. Many of the horror movies we've watched are classified also as thrillers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which this is odd to me because I thought Netflix just kind of listed a lot of different genres for every movie so that they could have a lot of different movies in each genre. Yeah. And I'm very surprised that some of these movies aren't even classified in horror, which would seem like a pretty obvious genre to throw Cam and or Bird Box in. Right. Let me pose another question. So this was made by a woman director who's been around for a while. I think she's um, Danish? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Or or Dutch? I can't remember which. I'm pretty sure you were right the first time, Danish. Okay, so this she's made quite a few films. Uh, In the U.S., she's seen as an art house director, but abroad, she's very claimed she her u.s films have all been misfires she did that like things we lost in the fire with Halle berry and like a lot of stuff that's just kind of kind of bombed this is a huge like for deal for her yeah like for hoven this is a huge deal for her what does this mean if she wants to make a, a hollywood movie for a theatrical release she's made a movie that allegedly has 45 million well probably you know at least 50 percent more than that if not double now um, on Netflix, what does this mean for her career? Can she really use this as leverage as she should be able to to work for a higher rate on her next film? I would think so. I would think I so. I think it's but, a meal ticket. But it's the first time Netflix has ever released statistics and we know that they don't translate to how a film would perform at the traditional box office. This movie might not even really give her the jump she needs unless she keeps working for Netflix. In which case, there's no competition so she doesn't have any leverage. She can't say, oh, well, you know, Warner that's, Brothers would pay me more to make a film for them. That's she, all going to change. And I mean, that's even changing now with you know Hulu and Amazon Prime having their own original stuff and the kind of arms race that's going on right now in streaming. There are some Netflix movies that are released in theaters. It is true that they're, especially to, for Oscar consideration, they're releasing films for like a week or two in select cities. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I just, I just worry because this is a huge. Is I didn't like the film, but I think it's cool that like the biggest movie in the world right now is made by a badass woman, mm-hmm. and I want her to get paid what she deserves. And I just don't think this is kind of unprecedented. I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. I'm not. I guess I'm not understanding your concern that she wouldn't get paid what she deserves. Because you can't compare. Like, if she were to work for a major studio and make a theatrical film, the statistics from Netflix mean nothing. Because, again, there's that low barrier to access. It doesn't necessarily mean that 
like it's kind of impossible to prove how valuable this film is. So you think her War- so you think Warner's might like pass on her because they're all like I don't know 45 million views but fuck it because it was Netflix. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I don't it- but I don't think the views have that much to do with it. I mean it's a popular film and I don't and actually I, not a profitable <laughs> film. Probably someone at like Warner's could go Oh, we could turn this woman into a lot more money than Netflix is because Netflix is not making profit specifically off those forty-five million. Well, who viewers. knows how much money they have? But I raised this concern because I I read an article in the Hollywood Reporter that asked a similar question, which is like, what does this mean to her? So, like, even industry insiders are like kind of at least concerned about the impact this might have on one's career or lack of impact, I should say. They might just like Mike Flanagan get stuck with Netflix, and I don't know. I assume he gets paid well, but there's nobody else really vying for him right now. I mean, I don't know why we're assuming that that's them getting stuck. I think uh, someone like Flanagan getting a deal to make a lot of films that seem to be. I mean, Hill House certainly seems like his creative vision not really watered down, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm sure someone like him values the opportunity to get that deal and to make a bunch of movies i mean adam sandler is signing up with fucking netflix Mm -hmm. and adam sandler for all the fucking bullshit that he turns out can do whatever he wants so it's obviously um, i don't think in hollywood that that makes you wonder like do this that makes you wonder if artists are like taking a pay cut for creative control because we don't know how much they're making with netflix no but i just don't think you would see this influx of you know i mean we could rattle off the number of different you know ryan murphy you know there's an extremely successful person who could do whatever the fuck the he Cullen wants. Cohen Brothers are on Netflix now. Yeah, I guess you're uh, right. What's his face? The my Cuaron. Yeah, that guy. He's on Netflix now. I mean, there's, there's a, it's a revolving door. It seems between the theatrical world and the the Netflix world. I don't know what it all means. I, I'm, I'm curious I though. Think, like, I think I would suspect that a Netflix deal is a great deal for probably pretty much anybody. Probably, but I'd like to know how a a woman director fits into that. I'd love to know. I wish they released more st- statistics, and I'd like to find out if her movie's way bigger than Roma. Did she get paid more or less than Alfonso Cuarón? Oh, she got paid way less. But I'm very interested. <laughs> oh, God damn it! I'm very. I, mean, I assume so, but it's depressing. I'm very interested in the business model, and at what point does this movie become a Netflix movie? What do you mean? Is it like is being launched as a Netflix exclusive? at some point a vote of no confidence by somebody that it won't make it in a theater i'm sure whoever optioned the movie rights from the book thought this would work in a theater maybe yeah and then when sandra bullock signed on and became a producer maybe they're still thinking movie theater and then at what point are they like this is going to netflix that's what interests me i'm sure we could find out can we talk about the ending of this movie for a minute? Oh, absolutely. How fucking cringy. It's like revealed as if it's like this big twist and it means nothing. Mm-hmm. The the beacon they've been getting, the, the sort of safe harbor they've been going to, is a fucking institution for the blind. And it's treated as if it's like this M. Night Shyamalan twist. But nothing changes except or they're super safe. super clever. It, didn't, it wasn't that clever. It's no. Like, okay. All right. It's like, oh, we're in, we're finally safe, and also like, give me some cargo vibes. Uh, yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. It was so corny, and it didn't mean anything, like, like thematically or otherwise. It's like, okay, they're safe. I don't care if these people are blind or not. They're in the safe haven. It's not like there's a lot of interaction. And Doctor Lapham is there. Mm-hmm. 
and, I, and you were there, and you were there, yeah. and you were there. And it was, it was really hard for me to track the. I think Patrick kind of alluded to this. It was really hard for me to track the character evolution of Sandra Bullock in this movie, and like why she decided to stop calling her kids boy and girl, other than that she had that one conversation with her her dude who was like, "Hey, you should love your kids more." I don't know. None of it seemed natural. I don't know. And she names the boy after him, right? Which is all fine, I guess. It's all fine, but it's just like a... I don't know. It's a non-ending. I don't know. Things didn't end They're just in a different place. I watched this movie... This movie movie should be called A Different Place. (laughs) I watched this movie with friend of the pod, uh, Gregory Allen, and he was disappointed that the girl ended up being named Olympia because he was like, she should have been named Ella or Cinderella. Oh! Yeah, and I was like... Yeah. Good one, Greg. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, if you're listening, good job. Yeah. Well, going back to the ending, um, I actually didn't remember this, but my coworker who read the book as well reminded me about the ending in the book was actually way darker. Oh, do tell. That it yeah. wasn't an uh, institution for the blind. It was a place where they were intentionally cutting out their eyes. Oh, right. Right. So, that that's way darker and i just felt like the way they did it in the movie was just like so cushy and like happy and awful and the birds were were not necessary in the the book yeah because in the the ending in the end of the book they kind of reassure mallory and the kids that it's not mandatory to do that because i think mallory resolves that they're not going to willfully blind themselves that they're going to keep their eyes and the right you know whatever the dude's name is that runs the rick colony yeah rick right. says you know that's fine you don't have to is there more time spent in the colony in the book because i feel like this was like no. five minutes and we're done not that much because they basically land there and discover a little bit more than the than the movie again though i was just super... the movie just seems so eager to end at that point <laughs> yeah i was super I was frustrated trying to trying to fish a theme out of here mm-hmm. and and like maybe the book I, I like that metaphor because we're on the river for so much yeah. of the movie. Pull just a theme fishing, out, like, fishing for a theme. Like I thought I was talking about like images and like because even you know they they show us that you can see the monster on a TV and it'll still get you. And then they invite the creepo Jordan Peterson guy into the house. So he, <laughs> he's got his like, oh my god. <laughs> Oh, two weeks ago, I would not have gotten that <laughs> reference. That is spot yeah, on. Yeah. I love that whole thing, too. That yeah. scene where he's just, like, manically, like, pulling on all of his pictures and starting to draw and getting really excited about the right. music. Right, and so you That's get... a good sequence. There's a suggestion that maybe those images he pulls out of his folio have some kind of power or something. Well, and, they're images and, of what he believed the creature looked like. And so we're talking about these things and, and the power of images and can you unsee things and all this stuff. And I'm thinking maybe we're, we're talking about something here. There's a loneliness theme. I'm thinking maybe we're talking about the things we see maybe in the media and and how they create us a, a lonely society and, it, and no none of the, it means or adds up to anything it's just a hodgepodge of themes like yeah. i was really thinking for a while maybe this movie is about grief or missed opportunity no it's n- nothing it's just throwing throwing seemingly meaningful images and bits of dialogue at you and I, mathematically they don't add. i'm uncomfortable making that judgment because someone smarter than me once said you know the first time you watch a movie is a flirt the second time is a date so (laughs) i feel like it's hard to evaluate whether or not a movie has themes Mm. on your first viewing that's true but did i say that 
No, it was it's someone famous. <laughs> Just joking. Um, I don't know, but yeah, th- but things I liked. I mean, the some of the stuff in the house was very good. Like the you know the plot line we just talked about, the stuff with John Malkovich, trip to the store I liked. Um, okay, here's a question, and this is also prompted by my viewing with Greg when they were in the grocery store. Greg's like, I'd just stay in the store, you know, because mm-hmm. they were fighting over whether to stay in the store or go back home and grocery. Oh my god, yeah, I just stay in the store. Yeah, no, you guys but then again, there are threat, there are threats coming from outside, but that's no different from the house. So, well, they had yeah. people still at the house that they felt responsible for, so I appreciate right. that. Yeah, but I did have the same thought when they came in the store. I was like, everyone should come to the store, but they still had half their party hanging out at the house. I don't know. So one other thing, kind of tangential to the story of bird box um obviously we're doing this show basically for one reason and that's because everybody's obsessed with bird box right now and by the time this episode comes out maybe it will have passed and i'm thinking of other netflix phenomenon it seems like well, we're still gonna get 45 million streams god damn it <laughs> <laughs> more than any other episode has gotten in seven days and we haven't released any statistics to you listeners yeah, yet you but trust true. us we're going to on this that's episode true. we are bigger than you think <laughs> but this isn't the first you know netflix phenomenon that's like just boiled over in like a you know a couple weeks or something i think of like making a murderer and stuff. are some examples of like netflix things that just like popped up and it was like all anyone cared about and then it was gone queer eye stranger things yeah i mean but but no those are kind of enduring things though i mean those are queer eye stranger things making a murderer all kind of had a decently long shelf life that's true yeah, but I, I feel like this is common, and this kind of goes to one of my aggravations that I always have just about how you know the the media landscape and how everything is so impermanent. And well, and Netflix is releasing an original thing, be it a series or a movie, every day, literally. Yep. Right. So it's like Bird Box, as of when we record this, is like all the rage. And by the time this episode comes out, maybe no one will give a shit about Bird Box anymore. I don't know. I mean, it's as been we over record a week, this, and it's still all over my news feed. As we record this, I personally would say it's already peaked. It's still big, but I think it's already peaked as we record this. I, agree. I mean, it peaked, peaked a week or two ago. Right. But this is a contrast to, you know, when I was growing up and my relationship with movies and tv and i've talked to you guys about this before is you know i had my drawer of vhs tapes yeah i had my 15 or 20 movies that i was intimate with and oh, <laughs> oh, <geez>. oh, <laughs> oh no. and tell you, us more about that beyond the great door, didn't you? <laughs> and so you know I, I think something is lost when we have this disposable media landscape where even the people who like bird box are probably never even gonna fucking watch it again and if there are deeper themes to be discovered doesn't even matter because no one's gonna give the movie a second viewing because it's not any good well regardless of if it were good i mean you i'm sure if somebody wanted to watch it over and over again they could find something in it there's something there but i don't think it begs a second viewing i don't know know what you mean though about that era when you would you would just have a limited selection you'd find things in films because you watch them over and over again i miss that too Mm mm-hmm I don't know how much the fact that it's on Netflix really changes anything. I think it's similar to other pop cultural phenomenon where the thing isn't necessarily that good, but it catches on for whatever reason. I mean, I'm thinking of like The Hangover, which is a critically acclaimed movie, but I think is dog shit. I don't know if you guys have seen it or have opinions on it. I saw it in the theater. I didn't think it was that funny. I don't think it's a very good movie. But the memes persisted. 
you know, the meme of the fucking baby carrier, people still like reference that or, you know, do it as a costume or whatever. And I feel like the meme of bird box, like the blindfold thing is probably going to persist. Probably. I don't, I don't know if it's going to persist as like anyone's so. favorite movie. You know? I'm on some pretty woke Twitter and, um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, can you repeat that? <laughs> I'm on some pretty woke Twitter. And is that like a drug? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Oh, dude, this Twitter is so woke, man. And, and some people are, are kind of um, not upset by the bird box challenge, you know, like blind people saying, like, you know, it's, it's not really cool to, like, you know, put on blindness for fashion. Oh, my God. Meme. <laughs> so, well, do we have anything else to say about bird box? A lot, but, you know, we said it was going to be a half hour. We've uh, we've exceeded packed a lot of information. In any, any final thoughts? I guess there's only one thing left to do, which we haven't done yet. Which is, oh. Go to the spoiler room? <laughs> no, no, no. We're no. we going to spin the Wheel of Death. No, we have now. to review Bird Box. Oh, there's two <laughs> things left to do. All right. Chris, what do you think? Um, this might surprise you. I will give it a cue it. Um, well, you know, I've we've made our grievances known, but I thought it was a hell of a lot more competently made than most of what we watch. I definitely understand some of its appeal. Had some really good acting. Had some really good sequences. Had some good moments. Could have been a lot better. Maybe it shouldn't have never been made, but... (laughs) (laughs) Cute. Alright. I'm gonna second that uh, pretty much entirely. So cue it. I don't really have anything else to say. I'm just gonna move things along, Stephen. Cue it. Fascinating failure. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I did get stoned for the second half of it because I knew that it wasn't <laughs> really going to hold my interest otherwise. It, little, it definitely uh, improved the experience. You watch Bird Box in the Hot Box. <laughs> did you? No, were you on really. some woke Twitter, bro? I was on some woke uh, sativa, but yeah, no, it, you know, it's an interesting phenomenon, and it's not a terrible movie. If it were a first feature, I'd be impressed. Oh, hell I'll say yeah. that. Hell yeah. This woman's made, like, 10 or 15 movies, though, so whatever. Uh, Sam, what did you think? I'm going to go with Screw It, just because uh, I did not like the book, and I thought wow. that the adaptation to a film was even worse. So, yes, I'm being harsh, but I just can't I can't help it. Um, I didn't enjoy... Like harsh. I didn't enjoy either <laughs> format. Steven so likes I'm harsh. A, I'm a screw it, screw it, screw it. Did you have a favorite part? Was there something that you liked... Uh, of she which. gave it a screw it, screw it, screw it. Do you think she liked anything about <laughs> the movie? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Oh yes, I liked Tom, the actor who played Tom, because he's sexy. Trevante Rose. Oh, yes. yes. Oh. Coming from Moonlight. Off, yeah. Yep. From Moonlight. Yeah. Yes. Muscles, very beautiful. Yes. Okay, that's the only thing I liked about it. Great actor. Ooh, and I like Machine Gun Kelly too. Some of those tall, lanky, tatted guys. I wasn't quite. I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> no, of not, your, not your style. Mm-mm. Okay. I <laughs> like. Enough. I like short, pale men. <laughs> I didn't recognize. Uh, but you like Trevante Rhodes. Meh. Short, pale does men, not compute. Tall, dark men. <laughs> I didn't recognize right. well, Trevante Rhodes. You can okay. look at one and marry the other. So. Oh, <laughs> oh this is getting too sweet. Um, I didn't recognize Trevante Rhodes, and then he started having some one-on-one scenes with Sandra Bullock, and he was definitely holding his own in the acting department, and I was like, who is this guy? And I looked him up, I'm like, oh, he's the guy from Moonlight. I never saw Moonlight. Um, oh. Well, it's it's great performances in Moonlight. I wasn't a big fan, but the performances are great. All right, guys, only one thing left to do 
it's time to spin the wheel of death because I don't know what the hell we're watching next time. Are you guys ready to spin? I'm ready. Spin it. Should we Let explain the wheel of death for new no newcomers? You no, know, every this? every it's supposed to be every like third episode. It's what you think it is. They're gonna spin the wheel, and then one of us dies. Right? Oh, yeah. God, I wish. <laughs> one of us will not appear on the next episode. Oh. I wonder who it will be. <laughs> no, we're going to spin the wheel. It will pick one of us, and then one of us will pick the next movie instead of sticking to the alphabetical format to which we are all slavishly indebted. For the most part. We've been kind of loose with it for the last few weeks. Well, Much to Chris's I, horror. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> That's the greatest horror movie on Netflix to Chris. But Steven won last time the spin. He picked Terrifier. Thanks for that. So we get to... He gets to <laughs> spin the wheel again. So, so You guys all wanted to see it too. So Come just, on. Uh, I enjoyed Terrifier. Give her a little all spin, right. Steven. Give her a spin. Oh, give her a spin. We all need to see. Oh, it's going. Oh, please be me. I've never won. Please be me. <gasps> oh. oh my it's god! Patrick! Yay! <laughs> it was almost me. Well, story of my life. I <laughs> spoiled my pick before we started watching, but I've been watching all the Friday the Thirteenth movies oh. in order. I'm on number seven, Jason X, which takes place in space. The tenth film is currently on Netflix. I'm gonna watch the eighth and ninth, and then you guys are gonna watch Jason X with me, and we're all gonna talk about Jason in fucking space. Isn't David Cronenberg in this movie? David Cronenberg is in it, and he uses nipple clamps on a woman in one scene. I am fascinated to see this shit. I don't think it's going to be good, but just Jason in space sounds like such a bizarre and misguided and hilarious idea to me. And I want to bring everybody along with me on this fucked up Friday the 13th watching little journey that I've been on. It's the Halloween resurrection of Jason films. Oh, God, really? Yeah. That bad? No, it's fun, though. Oh, okay. Thank God. Yeah, I'm sorry if I scared you. <laughs> I was a little scared. More scared than I've been at any Friday the 13th film, I can tell you that. More scared than you were during Bird Box? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, I might watch that one with a blindfold on. Ooh. All right. I can't wait. But uh, you Also, know, this has been a great episode. I've enjoyed doing this with my blindfold on. I hope that when I take the blindfold off, it shows that we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Fuck. But you know, that's all for that's all for this week. We'll be back in two weeks, kind of on our usual release schedule uh, for Jason X, apparently. So, here's a good question: Is it Jason X or Jason Ten? I don't know. It depends. Is on it the tenth film? It is the tenth film. That's why it's called Jason X. Oh yeah. Well, Jason given 10, that then. I call it H twenty, I think I'd have to call it Jason yeah. Ten. I mean Roman numeral ten, which only sensible people would call. All, All right. right, H20. Well, that's our show. <laughs> that's our show. Thanks again, Sam, for being here. Thank you, Sam. You it's are been a welcome. Yes, delightful. Thank you, Sam. You're welcome. And that's it. So find us online. You know the drill. Just you know, review us on iTunes or something, please. Until our next episode, when we watch Jason X, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. Until one, four days from now. I'm Stephen, <laughs> and I'm Sam. I won't be here next time. Probably not. Enjoy your movie. I mean, you could be. You'll be here in spirit. I will watch it on my own. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a great Skype in. Let us know what you think. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we always invite our listeners to follow along on our journey, wherever it may lead. Right. All right. See you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.